Good morning, Trinity Alliance Church family. Welcome on this Sunday morning, this last Sunday of May, and we're glad you could join us. And this is also kind of the last Sunday that we are going to be a part, or at least have the opportunity, to come together and worship the Lord in spirit and truth uh, in our amphitheater. That's right, next Sunday, June 7th, we're going to be uh, gathering together out in the amphitheater, and you should have received an email this morning about that, about all of the guidelines and things that uh, we're asking you to observe as we come together and worship the Lord. Uh, also, some instructions there about if you're feeling a little uncomfortable with that, uh, there's still going to be an online service like you're seeing right now at the same time on Sunday morning. And here's the deal. We're getting together at 8.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, June 7th. So be ready, come and, and uh, see each other again and be prepared to have a great and awesome time outdoors in this uh, awesome amphitheater that God has blessed us with. Uh, vision that Dale Widener had some 20 years ago and finally has come about and get to enjoy that. So come on out and join us as well. Uh, sacred Space is now finished, our last one being last night and Laura leading that. And we just thank you for all of you who have led and all of you who participated in that. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll bring that back and, and do something of that nature again. So I'll be watching for more information uh, about some different activities and things that are going to be coming up here in the, in the future as well. Um, Debbie Vandermark has an announcement about Kids Camp that is coming up this summer. And so Debbie, take it away. Hi, Trinity kids. How are you doing? This announcement is just for you. I'm so excited to announce that we are doing a kids summer camp in June. Trinity Kids Camp Adventure will be June 22nd through 26th. And it's going to be out in the amphitheater and on the church grounds. We're going to have games and crafts and skits and so much fun. And we really hope you can be there. We, uh, right now, we're going to keep it at just Trinity Alliance kids and families. If we can later, open it up to friends. We'll see what we can do. But right now, we're going to keep it on our families and Trinity um, kids only. So we're really hoping that you'll sign up. Go to tacreading.info to sign up. We need you to sign up by June 14th. So that gives you two weeks to sign up. So we really need you to do that. We can't have any walk-ins. We have to know everybody that's coming in. And we also wanted to let you know that if for some reason you can't make it, and you're unable to be there, that we want to know that because we would love to give you a take-home packet of fun to take home, and we would bring that fun to you because we want every one of our kids to have fun this summer. So go online, register, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you, Debbie, for that awesome announcement. Thanks. So if you got any questions about the kids' camp and things, uh, give Debbie a call, email her, and she'll be happy to answer those questions and, uh, and get you straightened out there as well. Um, also, we have family camp coming up. That's right, family camp at Hereford Ranch. It's coming up, and the dates for that are uh, July 30th through August 2nd. And this thing is filling up fast. We reserved some campsites. Uh, there are tent sites and RV sites, uh, partial and full hookup sites. And, and they're, the RV sites are pretty much gone. Tent sites are going fast. So if you have not signed up for that yet, you need to get that done. Um, you can go to tacreading.info and sign up for that. We sent out an email on Thursday uh, with an attachment there uh, asking you to email us to sign up and questions and answers that we need to know about how to sign up for family camp. 
So if you haven't done it, get it done. We're going to have to close that off here pretty soon, I think. And uh, I wish we could just take over the whole camp, but a lot of people went stir-crazy too, and that camp is just being overrun with folks right now as well. So that's uh, coming up. Make a note of that. If you got any questions, you can call me uh, or call my wife and, uh, or email us, and we'd be happy to answer those questions as well. There's other announcements and things happening. Once again, uh, you can check the bulletin that was included with the email you got this morning. Uh, the sermon notes are there as well. Kids' pages are there. So we hope you took advantage of those. And you can also go to tacreading.info for those things as well. We have a reading out of John chapter 10, uh, verses 11 through 15, that I'm going to read for you now. And if you'd follow along as I read. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we thank you for just carrying us through these last 10, 11 weeks of having to, to worship you through this media of, of online digital and, and just uh, uh, singing songs of praise to you and, and having to, to stay apart. Lord, we, we thank you for sustaining us through this and we, we thank you for how you will continue to sustain us in the, in the days to come as well. We thank you for the opportunity that is ours next week to meet out in this, in this blessed amphitheater that you have given to us. We, we also uh, just praise you for the opportunity, too, that those who are not going to be able to join us for one reason or another in the amphitheater and, and, and are going to be staying home, they can still be a part and still be a part of the worship and spirit and truth and all of this and the message and, and that you bring through Pastor Sean next week as well. So, Lord, we just thank you for this. We thank you for the opportunity you give us this morning. We we ask that you would clear our hearts and minds of things that might get in the way to, to hear what you want to say to us, both through the, the media of worshiping you in song and also worshiping you through the word. So, Lord, we give this time to you and trust for your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Laura? i 
Church, it's great to be with you again. Uh, amazing all that we've been able to experience these last couple of months. Uh, I hope you haven't been throwing out all the amazing lessons that we've been learning. Uh, I know we're excited about beginning to reopen and meeting in person again as a church next Sunday uh, for most of us. But I, I hope that we can continue to look to Jesus in this time and continue uh, to evaluate how he's changed us, the things that he's uh, developed in us over these last uh, several months now and that we would be able to take those with us. I just want to encourage you, church, as we begin to look at kind of things getting back to almost normal, that we would uh, remember that what, we don't want to go totally back to what we were before. We want to take some of the lessons we've learned in this time and carry those with us into the future. I'm uh, super excited this week. I got a chance to hear from a lot of different people who uh, are getting an opportunity to love people that have maybe a different perspective than they do on all of this. And uh, I am thankful for those who have reached out and shared those stories with me. it, It is getting me more and more excited about what God is doing in our church and how he has prepared us and is now beginning to launch us into our community in order to reach out and to share the love of Christ with so many other people that we haven't had a chance to do so before with. So just continue to look for that. God is working 
working. Jesus is working in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, he is going to be getting, he's been, he's been putting people on our minds for a couple of months now who, who need him, who, who need to hear about his love. And so I just want to encourage you that you would uh, continue to pray about them, ask that he would give you courage to take those steps and to be able to open up that mouth of yours and be able to share that story about Jesus' love and somehow care for them in the moment. Uh, it's amazing to see what he's already done and is continuing to do. Also, uh, excited about the fact that Laura is going to get some time off this summer, you guys. I mentioned that last week, but want to remind you, actually, this is her last Sunday uh, worshiping with us, at least as our worship leader. I'm sure we'll see her throughout the summer occasionally, but uh, she's not going to be up front like she normally is. And So be praying for Laura and her family uh, as they uh, go through the summer. That'd just be a time of refreshment that they would uh, be able to experience just uh, a sense that uh, God is with them in this time and that uh, they would have extra time together as a family, also extra time of rest, and that uh, when we get to September time frame that Laura is refreshed and ready to d- uh, jump back in and lead, in, lead us in worship again. Uh, she has such amazing skills. God has given her such great talent uh, and just so excited for her to get this time to refresh and that's so she can launch again into September September with uh, all that God has for her and with a new sense of calling and a new sense of excitement and what God is doing in her life and in our church. Uh, So that's coming up. Also this morning, we got one more thing before uh, we move on with the service, and that is Ben Lewandowski. Uh, I had to twist some arms with him, but I got him to say yes. Well, actually, he asked the Lord, and the Lord didn't say no, so yes, we're good. Anyway, Ben uh, is going to share a little bit about how God has uh, just been carrying him in this uh, time of kind of just challenge and craziness in the strange season we're in. So Ben, take it away. Hello, friends and family of Trinity Alliance Church. Ben Lewandowski here. It is so good to be at the dawn of being able to meet together for services and fellowship. I have truly been missing so many of you that when asked if I would be interested in joining the video team, I jumped at the opportunity. I do have some experience in videography and enjoy doing it. The funny thing is, I am far more comfortable on the recording side of production versus the being recorded side. Now, when Pastor Sean asked me about sharing with you how I have seen God working in my life during this season, I admit, the first time, I passed. But he persisted, and I shared that I'd pray about it. In doing so, I left myself available for God's will. So here goes. Probably like a lot of you, I have found myself feeling like I'm kind of on an emotional roller coaster which for me meant dealing with a lot of anxiety and loneliness. Now the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. I share that to explain how I have been seeing God work in my life. So, one, by repetitive singing of worship songs in my head. I don't think I sound that good, so boy am I glad calls it a joyful noise. Two, audibly rebuking Satan through the power of Jesus, not through any power I have, but by the power in the blood of Jesus. But most importantly of all, three, daily scripture reading. 
I have been reading the daily devotional, Our Daily Bread, for some time now. But I'll admit, I wasn't always picking up the Bible and reading it. In late February, I was inspired to follow the read your Bible in a year portion of that devotional. Now, I have missed some days, so I just have to get caught up by reading double in other days. Now, another good verse I would like to share with you from 2 Timothy is found in chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Please feel free to engage me in conversation the next time you see me. Now, back to the service. All right, thank you so much, Ben, for that a great word, and just so exciting to hear about how God has been leading you in worship and in, uh, in his word, and just calling you back to that and being able to just uh, find hope and peace and joy in the midst of that. So thank you, Ben, for sharing with us. Uh, let's take a moment to just, to, again, lift up our service and prayer this morning, and then we'll move on with some more praise songs together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you are doing and continue to do in our church. Lord, I thank you for the answered prayer, even just this last week, of, uh, of how you have given individuals in our church opportunity to reach out and love people that they probably wouldn't have had a chance to uh, reach out and love before all this happened. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would continue to give us opportunities. Lord, that you would help each and every one of us in our church to begin to have a mind and, and a vision and a sight and sight to be able to see those around us who need you. And that, Lord, you'd give us the courage to open up our mouths with some word of encouragement or love to them or to just to, to get off our couches and get out into the community that we need to get into or the neighborhood we need to get into. Lord, we know you're working. Help us to continue to trust you in that. Give us the courage we need. And Lord, provide, empower us so in those moments we're able to speak the right words and do the right things. Lord, we thank you for like a guy like Ben who, um, who's just uh, seeking to follow you wherever you lead and that he has a tender heart towards you and that you spoke to him, you're encouraging him this time. Thank you for Laura too and uh, for all the ministry that she does in our church, not just leading worship but in so many other areas. And just pray that you would bless her and her family this summer that they would have a sweet time of rest and refreshment in your presence throughout this summer. Lord, and we thank you for this service. Lord, we lift it up to you. We, we desire to glorify your name. Lord, from each of our homes around this community, maybe even around the world, Lord, that we, were, we are going to be worshiping and praising and singing songs and hearing your word proclaimed all together in unison. Lord, I pray that you unite all of our hearts together in that praise and worship of you and that we would be also united to you, that we would experience your presence in our rooms, in our living rooms, in our spaces, in our hearts, that we would experience this unity with you today beyond what we've experienced maybe before. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's continue to praise our Jesus. All right, good morning, church. Um, first of all, I just want to say um, thank you to um, all of you who have been um, such an encouragement to me and my family. 
um, over the many years, and um, I am truly privileged and blessed to be part of an amazing family of God. And um, I'm not going to try and cry because I have, I have to lead you in worship. <laughs> Just a moment. But um, I really am. We are so blessed. And um, thank you for allowing me to be um, your leader um, over these many years in worship um, through song. And um, and I'm just, I'm thankful that I was able to, um, to be a part of that and to be a part of um, our congregation and our family. Um, part of leading us into the throne room each Sunday, into his sanctuary, into, um, into the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and I'm also just really thankful for this time right now that I'm going to be having with my family and also just to be in the presence of the Lord, um, over this summer. And I, I, I ask you for your prayers and I covet and I appreciate those prayers of just, a renewing refreshness with the Lord and also just with my family. And I'll be seeing you around. Um, I'm not, like, leaving the face of the earth. I'm not going to be totally MIA. Um, I will be around. But I do appreciate your prayers, and I do appreciate um, your encouragement. So, anyways, I just want to say I love you. I love you a lot, family. And um, I'm just thankful for this time, um, this much-needed time. I want to... Um, continue our time in worship as we enter in this time of worship with song. I want to read you just a short passage of um, Psalm uh, 18. And um, God is good. And I think sometimes we say that God is good all the time. And all the time. And all the time. God is good, right? Amen. We say that, but he really is good. He knows all. He's sovereign and he understands our frustrations, our anger, our sadness, our mourning, all the things that we have, and probably all the million emotions that we have been walking through, especially this past several months and this year. Um, he knows that, and he understands, and he, um, he relates, and he... Um, and even though we don't understand, he does. And I'm reminded of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 over and over again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him. And he will direct our paths, and he will. God is good. And he is good all the time. And he loves us. Um, so as we prepare your hearts for worship this morning, he says in Psalm, this is David speaking. And... Um, In Psalm 18, he says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord, who is worthy of praise. And he saved me from my enemies. So let's call upon the Lord this morning and declare that he is good. He's good all the time. That he is our rock and our fortress. He is our savior. Let's sing to him. He is worthy of our praise that we love him. We love you, Lord. Amen.
in stories of what they think you're like but i've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that i'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are
Running after, 
the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of Oh 
Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are, being our good shepherd. Lord, I just praise you for just who you are, Lord. I pray that you would give Pastor Sean your words. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill every every speaker, Lord, every screen that's being watched. Lord, every person who views, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would speak directly to each heart and that you would give Pastor Sean your your words today, Lord. And I pray that you would give him your peace as well as he speaks. That I pray that your presence would also fill, just fill his heart and just fill the technology, Lord, and do what only you can do through this technology. We love you, Jesus. We give you all of the glory and we praise you and we thank you. Amen. So church, after uh, the last uh, few weeks, we are jumping back into the series that I began back in February, uh, basically. Uh, we uh, had, you know, as you'll remember, Mother's Day weekend, we had Shalem come and share with us a wonderful Mother's Day message. And then uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Bob shared a great message as well. And then last week, I uh, came in and uh, shared a little bit of a topical message just on kind of interacting with uh, how we can, maybe Jesus' heart in this time of challenge. And uh, so this week, I want to get back into the series that uh, I've been in. Again, this year, we've been trying to examine, uh, you know, kind of who Jesus is. And so spending a a lot of time with the words of Jesus this year. Started out with the uh, statements that Jesus made on the cross. That was the first kind of sub-series of the year. And then just after Easter, we jumped into uh, the next uh, section, the next sub-subset, which was who Jesus, who He is. So Jesus, who He is, and uh, examining the I Am statements. In the book of John, where Jesus declares that he is God. And uh, he attaches several different adjectives or kind of descriptor words to those I am statements throughout. And so I've been looking at each of those each week. And, and I really feel like we're at a kind of a, a kind of a transition kind of point with these I am statements in the book of John. The, the first three I am statements, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the doorway. Uh, those three uh, seem to be kind of where Jesus is expressing who he is to the unsaved. 
Uh, he's kind of saying, I'm the bread of life. If you want life, you need to come and eat of me. That's where you find that. So he's speaking almost to the unbeliever. And then the light of the world. If you want truth, if you want to understand what the light of the world is, you need to come and you find that in me. If you want to find salvation, I am the door. If you walk through me, then you enter into salvation. And so the first three I am statements seem to be all focused on kind of the non-Christian or the pre-Christian, if you will, and kind of drawing them to Jesus and him pointing out the fact that he is the source of bread, light, and the doorway into eternity. Next four that we begin to run into this week are shepherd, resurrection, life, and vine. And all four of these, in my estimation, it seems to me, are more focused on, okay, now we've walked through the door, now who is Jesus? Who is Jesus for the saved? Who is Jesus for the Christian? What is he doing and how is he interacting with us in uh, the journey of the Christian life? And so that is where we find us today, first of all, with the good shepherd. The journey after salvation, the journey in salvation, it starts with this good shepherd perspective. So the passage was read just a little bit ago, but I want to go ahead and read it once again. John chapter 10, verses 11 to 15, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not, over own, who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, And I lay down my life for the sheep. So we see this illustration of Jesus being a shepherd, the good shepherd. Now, I know there's been many and great passages or uh, messages that have been uh, given and sermons that have been given on the good shepherd. And, and they kind of spend time usually outlining, okay, you know, sheep and what are the characters of sheep and kind of how do they behave in this world in the animal kingdom. And oftentimes kind of talk about how, you know, sheep are a little bit kind of dense, right? And if they didn't have a shepherd, they, they wouldn't survive very long and so they really need a shepherd and then there's discussion about the shepherd and his role and what he's doing and I know that's the typical sermon that you would hear on this but I I I don't know I I just as a pastor one of my key roles in bringing the word to you each week is to contextualize the message, right? To, to look at what this, you know, this, this was written 2,000 years ago. Now, these were the words of Jesus to a culture and to a people who, were, who understood easily the perspective of the sheep and the shepherd in that role, right? I mean, I'm sure there were probably sheep all around them as Jesus shared this story, as he talked about this, that, you know, he was probably next to, you know, a pen with a bunch of sheep in it, and there was a door there, and so we just looked at that earlier, right, a few weeks ago, and now he's talking talking about being the good shepherd, right? But we in America, sheep, shepherds, that's not a natural illustration for us. And so I felt like as I approached this passage that I wanted to find something that maybe we as Americans uh, might be able to maybe more easily connect with without me having to get into all the details of, okay, what's it like to be a sheep or what's it like to be a shepherd? And so the imagery that I want to bring to this passage this morning is that of a coach. 
Now immediately, you go, oh, Sean, going off on sports again. But understand, I, I'm not just talking about sports coaches, because we all have coaches, I think, in our life. In America, coaching is kind of a big deal. It's what we all experience at some point. Now, sometimes it's in, oftentimes it's in sports. But there's also plenty of coaching that goes on in musical areas and creative areas where someone is coming alongside you and coaching you and the skills and teaching you how to do that skill better. So we have a lot of different coaches that are helping us in different areas. We even have, you know, uh, coaches, you know, math, you know, uh, uh, club coaches, right, where they're helping their teammates and the individual students to learn different math equations and how to do it and how to do it faster and all those kind of things. So we have coaches all over in our culture. It's not just on the sports fields. But I do feel like coaching is, a, is an image that we all can kind of relate to a little bit easier than we can with sheep and shepherd. And so I'm going to substitute coach into our passage today. We have a good coach. Jesus is a good coach. Now, we've all experienced bad coaches, right? I know I've experienced some bad coaches. Now, luckily, most of my sports career was pretty nice. I don't know if you remember back in the past, uh, not too long ago, I talked about my basketball coach in high school who was just horrible. He was a bad guy. No, I don't know. He wasn't necessarily that bad, but he, you know, he messed me up, and I kind of felt wrong by him. And so, but anyway, we've all experienced bad coaches in our life. And bad coaches are, are difficult to endure, right? It's hard to play really hard for a bad coach. It's hard to want to really perform really well if you have a coach that you just don't like or you just don't respect or he just doesn't, he's not a good coach. You don't trust him and, and oftentimes enjoyment of whatever it is that you're doing is diminished, not to mention the success that you would have. Right, I mean, you get a bad coach in a particular spot in your life. Maybe it's an area that you really like, but you get in there and then you get a bad coach. It can sour you with that sport or that activity for the rest of your life. And so a bad coach can be a bad thing, right? We don't like those. But we've also experienced, hopefully, some good coaches. And I've experienced some great coaches, I think, in my life. I had a football coach in high school. Now, just, I mean, he was just a great guy in general. Really liked him. Uh, you know, I, actually, I don't know character-wise. I didn't know him outside of football. But it, at least as a coach, he was a great coach. And I enjoyed and respected him. He was a guy who knew when to kind of push you a little bit harder and knew also when to kind of back off a little bit and give you some grace. Uh, but just to tell you, coaches make a big difference in a team. Now, my high school football team, we were always really good, went to the playoffs every year, and it was a lot of fun. But I remember a few years after I graduated, this coach who had been at the school for probably, I think, 15 years, maybe more, uh, he and always a winning record, always winning, winning, winning. Well, he, uh, his son got into high school in a different high school in town. And so he quit coaching because he didn't want to coach against his, his son. So he quit coaching for four years. The very next year, so the last year that he coached, the team went to the semifinals in the state, almost won the state championship. The next year, when he didn't coach and they brought in a new coach, they lost every game but one. So almost the same athletes, he loses, they lose every game but one. For the next four years, the, the team that I, my Ferndale alma mater, Ferndale High School alma mater, they lost Every game except for, I think it was three in four years. Okay, They went from a team that was perennially in the playoffs, four years in a row, they, they win three games, that's it. And then 
this coach's son gets out of high school. And so he comes back to the high school and says, hey, I'll be your coach again. And they hire him again. That very year, he starts there back in the playoffs. It just shows the power of a coach, right? It's not the players always. Oftentimes, it's the coach and what he can do and his skills and ability to coach. So a good coach is uh, really important to have. Now, I illustrate all of this because, you know, Jesus says he's a good coach, So what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is a good coach? Let's walk through that. First of all, it means that a good coach is a coach who is caring. A good coach is a coach who is caring. Caring about a few things. First of all, he cares about us personally. We're not just an athlete on his team. He cares about us as a person. Now, a bad coach has the game as the top priority. So you are only a tool for him to use in the game in order to get a victory, right? So that's a bad coach. He doesn't really care about you, doesn't care about your success as a human being, only cares about you as an athlete and is always con- only concerned about you being there on time for practices. But a good coach, a good coach cares about you personally will listen to what's going on in your life if you're late for practice. Instead of just automatically reprimanding, we'll find out what's going on there. Why were you late for practice if you normally aren't, right? If you normally are late for practice, well, then he's going to discipline you because he knows that's what's best for you. He's trying to help you personally. He cares about you as a human being. cares about your character. Second, uh, a good coach cares about the development, our development as a player, as a human being, as, as, uh, in our skills that we're doing, how to, he's working in us for change. Now, a bad coach ignores you know, us, maybe. Don't even really worried about developing us. Maybe they just focus on the most talented on the team. And if you're not that most talented, then he's, ah, it doesn't matter. Or maybe he tries to make you into one of the other players. Oh, why can't you just be like, you know, Johnny over here? Johnny is so much better at running the ball. Why can't you be more like him, right? That's, not, that's a bad coach. A good coach is working to develop our skills, the, the skills that we have, and trying to make us better and better as the season goes on. A good coach also cares about winning. Cares about winning. He's striving for success. Now, I know we're in a culture right now where winning is not necessarily, you know, it's kind of gotten, you know, looked down upon, right? And we have a lot of sports that are going and it's not about winning. And there's a time for that. When kids are little, it probably is not as big a deal for winning. But I think winning is important. Matter of fact, I would say a bad coach is the one who doesn't care at all about winning, that he demands no effort from us in practice. He just kind of lets us do whatever. He's the coach that just kind of sits on, sits on the sideline in practice, and we just kind of, everybody's just doing whatever they want, and there's no, no structure to the practice. There's no trying to make us better. There's no working, to, working out and challenging us and, and, and working out our weaknesses and making us work on those. No, he just sits back, and it doesn't matter. Ah, it's all right. Let's go and have fun. The reason that caring about winning is important is because uh, that is winning is how we measure whether or not we're achieving, whether we're getting better, whether we're developing. Jesus cares about us winning. In Revelation chapter 2, these letters to the church, there's seven letters to the church, and at the end of every one of those letters, it says, he who conquers will receive this. And it goes on, there's a bunch of different things, but it's all eternal kingdom stuff, good stuff that we're going to experience in heaven. But it's for those who conquer, or another word that's used is overcome. 
those who overcome. And so Jesus cares about winning. Now, winning isn't the most important thing, and what you determine is, you know, how, do you, how you define winning needs to be discussed. And Jesus, he's always, first of all, concerned with us individually, who we are and what we need. He's always concerned about developing our skills, the things that he's placed in us. He's always worried about, you know, helping us to become a better, you know, person, a better someone uh, to live out more fully who he's created us to be. We have a he, he and he's doing that because he knows that we he wants us to be conquerors, that he wants us to get to the end. He wants us to be winners. He wants us to be successful. So a good coach is a coach that cares. We have Jesus. He is a good coach who cares about us personally, cares about our development, and cares about winning. Second way to to define a good coach is a a knowledgeable coach. He needs to, first of all, know the game, what's important, and how to succeed in the game. A bad coach is someone who doesn't know the game doesn't have the right strategies in order to win the game and ways to develop and win the game. So Jesus again, and see, we see this in John chapter 1. Jesus, see, he knows everything about creation. John chapter 1, he was there in the beginning, but everything was created through him. This game of life that we're living, Jesus knows it. He knows it well because he created it. He knows the rules. He knows how it works. This is the Jesus that we have. He's a good coach because he knows the game. Also, a good coach knows the skills that are needed, the techniques and the ability to evaluate uh, each player. Uh, A bad coach can't teach or train or identify what is needed. This happens in middle school sports all the time. I've seen it many times. Matter of fact, I've been there myself. When I first started coaching baseball, I didn't know that much about the game, and so I wasn't very good at identifying, okay, what, you know, what skills do I need to teach these, you know, these players and stuff, and, but you see that a lot where, you know, you get coaches that just, they don't know enough about the game. They don't know how to develop the skills and the techniques to develop those skills. Well, again, we have Jesus who is a good coach. In Hebrews chapter two, it talks about how he came and he was flesh and blood. In 4.18, it says that, or in 2.18, he says that he was tempted in every way just like we are, and he beat it. He was successful. He knows how to live a life of success, success in this world because he's been there. He, he's done it. Right, And so he knows the skills that are needed. He knows the techniques to develop that in us. And so we have a good coach in Jesus because he knows the skills that is needed to play the game. Also, he, a good coach knows the players, their strengths and their weaknesses. Again, a bad coach puts players in positions of their weaknesses. They haven't spent enough time with the players to get to know, you know, which one should be a catcher and which one should be a pitcher or which one should be a first baseman or which one should be in the outfield, which one should be sitting on the bench for six or seven innings, right? You know, (laughs) that's not nice, right? I know, I'm sorry. Anyway, but, you know, we have to have a coach who knows the positions of strength for each player and make sure they're there. And again, Jesus, he knows us. He knows every one of us intimately. Psalm 139 talks about how God created all of us, right? From the very beginning, from conception, he knit us together in our mother's womb. 
He knows us perfectly. He knows every day. He knows the words we're going to speak before we speak them. Jesus knows his players. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows you know, where to put us in the game. You know, uh, this is one of the questions I had when God led me to lead pastor. I'm like, ah, lead pastor, I don't know about that. Jesus, this doesn't seem right to me. I, I'm a little freaked out about this. And, but he said, no, I know your weaknesses, but I also know your strengths. And I know I'm going to empower you. I know this is the place for you. And I trusted him and I followed him here. And this is the good coach that we have in Jesus. He knows us. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where to put us in positions where we're going to succeed. The next category that a good coach needs to excel in is he needs to be a game coach. What do I mean by that? First of all, I mean it doesn't, he, he doesn't play the game. Right, you know. I, I, later on, after I've been playing ba- or coaching baseball for a while, I really enjoyed uh, being able to do scrimmages with the, the with the players. You know, towards the end of the year, and I got out there and I got to swing in the bat a little bit and play in the outfield a little bit because I always love running down the ball. Because remember, I used to be fast, <laughs> not anymore. But anyway, uh, so uh, doesn't uh, the coach doesn't play the game, but the coach has to be in the game. You know, a bad coach doesn't show up. I've seen it again in middle school sports. Uh, I've seen a a basketball coach in middle school sports who in the game is just sitting on the bench, actually spending more time talking to his girlfriend behind than paying attention to what's actually happening in the game. He's not making any calls. He's not making any plays. He's not communicating with his team. Nothing. He's just kind of, you know, he's there. So a good coach is someone who is in the game, and Jesus is a good coach. He's in the game. Romans 8 says that he is constantly interceding for us to the Father. He hasn't just left us alone. He didn't die and resurrect from the dead and then ascend to heaven and it's like, see ya, have fun, good luck. No, he is constantly in the game. He's countless, not in the game, but he knows what's, well, he's in the game. He knows what's going on. He's not playing in the game, but he's in the game. He knows what's happening and he is interceding for us to the Father. A, a, a good coach, a good game coach is also someone who sees the big picture, Knows what's going to happen before maybe the players know. A a bad coach gets wrapped up in the moment. You know, a bad coach is is sitting on the bench and some big play happens and and they get all excited and they get up and and they, they lose their mind. They lose their perspective of the whole game, of what's going on and the other things that are coming, what's happening next inning, uh, the, the guys he have coming up to batter, what is the next offensive play in football? You know, you only got 30 seconds to get that play out. And so you get all excited about what's happening now. You lose, oh wait, I've got to call another play, right? And so uh, a good coach is able to see, he kind of sits back and he can see the whole field. He's aware of the whole game and he's looking for the future. What's the next step? He never gets caught up in the moment. He might celebrate for a second, but then he's back. Okay, what am I doing next? You watch football coaches on the sidelines, very seldom, except for Pete Carroll, the Seahawks, right? He gets excited. Woohoo! He's fun to watch. Woo. I had to get a Seahawk in there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so, but most coaches, when they're on the sideline, they're very stoic, a little bit of you know, fist bump here and there on a good play, but most of the time they're like, right back, okay, what's the next play? What's the next thing we're doing? It's good coaches have the big picture in mind, and Jesus has the big picture because he can see it all. Again, outside of time. Psalm 33 also says that he knows everybody who's playing in the game, right? Both on our team and on the other team. He knows the whole situation. He can see the whole playing play field, right? He knows all that's coming. He can see the future. He's seen the past. 
We have a good coach in Jesus because he sees the big picture. Next, a, a good game coach is one who gives good direction in the moment. A bad coach doesn't recognize that it's a big moment. He doesn't realize that, okay, oh my gosh, this is the spot. This is the game. This is, the game is hanging in a balance on this play. If I don't call the right play right now, it's going to, sometimes they just totally miss it. They don't recognize that it's the big moment or they don't give good instructions in that moment. So they call the wrong play, a play they shouldn't have, you know, some risky play that should have never been in there. Or, they, or maybe they, you know, make a play that is just ends up failing miserably. And now, it's risky always when you're a coach and making a play, but you've got to be able to give good instructions. And Jesus gives the best instructions. In James chapter 1, we kind of looked at this last week, right? If we ask for wisdom, if we lack wisdom, wisdom all we've got to do is ask Jesus, and he will give us wisdom. He always knows the right answer, the right instruction at the right moment. So when we're in those times, intense moments, like I was saying last Sunday, when we're in this moment where this is a big deal, what we do from here on out is going to have an impact on how the world sees Jesus. If we turn to him, he has the answers. He knows this is a big moment, and he gave the right instructions at the right time. Also, a good game coach is one who encourages and corrects. See, a bad coach will either do one or the other. He'll just encourage, oh, it's all right, no big deal, you know, ah, you'll get him next time, and just constantly encouraging, oh, you're doing great out there, it's okay, you fumbled the ball, it's okay, don't worry about it, it's fun, we're having a good time. Always encouraging, never corrects. Or the other coach is always correcting, oh, come on, you only got 10 yards out of that, you could have got 12 more if you'd just done a little spin, come on, what's your problem, right? So you, you can't have, you know, we can't just have one or the other. You need to have both. A good coach knows when it's time to encourage and when it's time to correct. A good coach knows that sometimes a failure means that that player needs correction, needs discipline to get better at that position. But sometimes that same player, even though they may have done the same failure, maybe it's time they just need to be encouraged. Again, if a good coach knows his players, he knows when he needs to challenge, when he needs to discipline, or when he needs to encourage, pat on the back and say, all right, next time. Jesus is a good coach. He knows when to encourage us. He knows when to correct us. Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. He knows when to say those words, good job. But he also, Hebrews chapter 12, talks about the discipline of Jesus. He also knows that sometimes his, his children need to be corrected. Finally, a good game coach is one who loses and wins with us. Loses and wins with us. A bad coach takes the credit for the win. Yeah, you guys are amazing. I did it. <laughs> uh, and he gives blame when they lose. It's your fault that we didn't lose. If you guys would just executed better, if you guys would have just done more, if you'd have worked harder. See, you know, this is why I told you in practice. If you would, you know, you guys just didn't put out in practice, so this is what we get. Now you're in trouble. Now there's a difference between kind of helping our kids to understand how we can get better, and there's a difference between putting the blame on kids and uh, our players in order uh, for a loss. But Jesus, he's a good coach. He knows how to celebrate with us. 
gets all excited when we get excited. He knows when it's time to celebrate, and he's right there with us, but he also doesn't desert us when we fail. You know, this is something we always struggle with, I think, as Christians. We feel like when we sin, when we turn our back on him, maybe we haven't read our Bibles for a few months or a few years, or we haven't prayed in a few months or a few years, we think, oh, well, he's totally gone. He's, he's not paying attention to me anymore. No, no, no. Again, once you bow your knee to Jesus, he is with you forever. He is your Lord. He's with you even in your failures. So we see that Jesus is a good coach. He's a good coach because he cares. He's a good coach because he's knowledgeable. He's a good coach because he's in the game. So the only thing left to discuss this morning is one more piece, and what about the players? Are there good players? Yeah, there are. Are you a good player? (laughs) How do you know? See, oftentimes, you know, we uh, look at, you know, sports especially. Who's, who's the best player? Who's the, the, uh, the good player, right? How do, you, how do you define that? It's usually on what they do on the field. You know, are they the ones that score the most touchdowns? Are they the ones that hit the most home runs? Are they the ones that make the, best, uh, the most defensive plays? But I can tell you as a coach for many years in middle school and, and even younger than that, that the best player is oftentimes not the one that you see on the field. I mean, we can see this even in our, uh, our, our professional sports today. There are some great athletes that do amazing things on the basketball court, on the baseball field, or on the football field. But as a person, as a human being, there's some, <laughs> there's some problems there. And see, in Jesus' kingdom, the best players are not necessarily the missionary on the mission field, not necessarily the Billy Grahams, not necessarily the ones that have a name, you know, that everybody remembers. It's written a bunch of books. Don't get me wrong. I think you know, Billy Graham's a pretty, pretty great player. Don't get me wrong, okay? I think he's enjoying a lot of celebration in heaven right now. But God looks at something different. See, we, we can be a great player as well, and we don't have to do what Billy Graham has done. And I think it takes three things for us to be good players First of all, we need to listen. We need to have our ears and our eyes open. A bad player is always talking. As a coach, oh my gosh. Middle school, oh my gosh. There were some players that they just needed to put their sock in their mouth and keep it there for the whole practice because they just wouldn't shut up. Okay, And they're constantly talking. A good player is one who listens more than they speak. They're like, okay, what's going on, coach? What are you doing? But more than that, they also are listening to the coach's voice. A good player does, you know, a bad player has a, has a hard time listening to the coach's voice. And I've seen this, again, as, a, as especially a middle school you know, basketball coach, right, uh, where I have you know, a, a point guard. He's a pretty good, talented player. He's out there, and I want him to run the play. But I, so I call out what the play is, but his dad is in the stands behind me, and he's calling out a different play. Drive it to the hole, son! <laughs> and he listens to his dad instead of to me. Boy, isn't that us as players in God's kingdom, right? Don't we get distracted so often by the other voices that are out there? 
especially in this time with the emotions up, frustration and anger and fear is all around us, and we're going, oh, who do we listen to? And we keep turning on the TV or turning off the TV or we get on Facebook or we're talking to our friends or our family or we have these feelings inside of us that have been there. I tell you, this decision, this sermon that I preached last week was not a sermon that I would have preached a couple of weeks before. Matter of fact, even today I go, that was God thing because it was not my first impression. That wasn't the kind of message that I would have preached just on my own. But thank God he gave me the courage to be patient, to sit and wait and to hear his voice and not the voices I was hearing from others or from my family or from myself, from my own heart. This is what it takes to be a good player. Are we listening to Jesus? Second, in order to be a good player, we need to be teachable. The bad players are the ones who already know it all. Or they know better than the coach. <laughs> Trust me, I've had some of them in my life as a coach as well. I mean, they come in the first day of practice and I'm trying to get them to run, you know, some lines or something. And they're like, yeah, this is, a, this is so below me. I'm not running lines. And it's kind of jogging. I know better. I don't need to get in shape, coach. I got this, you know, no big deal, right? And they just, they, there's this arrogance about them. They think because they've been on, you know, four AAU teams for the last five years that they just know everything about basketball. And so, you know, what do I, a middle school uh, basketball coach, have to share to them? And so they just totally disrespect me, not listening to me. They don't care what I say. They already know it all. Don't we also do that to Jesus? Some of us, I think we do. Yeah, 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 I've heard that before, Jesus. Yeah, 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 I know the Bible. What I know what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, love God and love others. Yeah, I know. I can, I'm loving others. Come on. I mean, right? This is the great danger, I think, of many pastors, actually. Because the more we study God's word, the more we get to know God's word, the more we think, eh, I know it. And so I really don't need to seek Jesus anymore. I don't need to listen to his voice anymore. I've, I've got it. I, I know it all. To be a good player, we need to be teachable, becoming more and more aware of Jesus and allowing him to continue to develop our skills. Finally, to be a good player, we need to react. We need to follow instructions. The worst players are the ones who do their own thing. <laughs> it's so frustrating as a coach to give a play and then have that player not not even try to do the play. I mean, if they fail at the play, that's, you know, hey, that's okay. We can work on that. We can develop that skill. But they won't even try to do the play. That is like so frustrating. It's like, come on, just give it a try. Just do what I told you to do. Just run the play for once in your life, please, right? Uh, but we do this, I think, to Jesus all the time as well. We hear clearly from him what to do, but we still fight with him. Are we like, eh, nah, I want to do my own thing. I mean, I've been doing this other thing all my life. This feels so much better than doing the new thing that you want me to do. I've been spending my whole life living out as an American Christian. I spent my whole life as uh, being afraid of, you know, other people and afraid of my, my life, you know, is going to be taken from me in some crazy accident. And so I can't live differently because this is the way I've always lived. 
And Jesus gives you a call. He gives you a play to run differently. And we just keep doing the same old thing. Or maybe we're just fearful, and I'm sure we are a big time. Fearful to do something different. Ah, that's new. Ah, what if I fail? What if I mess it up? Oh, what if I open my mouth to say something and it just bleh, comes out? I do that just about every Sunday. Thank you very much. So get used to it. It's after a while you just kind of laugh at yourself. It's okay. We allow fear to keep us from following what Jesus instructs. See, if we're listening, we're good players. If we're teachable and willing to, to learn, we're good players. But if we won't react, if we're not obedient, if we won't follow him, then again, we're not going to be a good player. We're not going to experience the success that Jesus has for us, that he's calling us into. All right. Worship team, why don't you come up? I've got a couple closing thoughts on this. Bottom line, we have Jesus, who's a good shepherd slash coach. He's a good coach. He cares about us, cares about us personally, cares about our success individually. It's never just for the whole team. This is the amazing thing about Jesus, right? Oftentimes, you know, I know as a coach, sometimes, you know, you have to lay down a sacrifice bunt in order to get the runner over. And, and that means that the guy who's laying down the bunt is going to be back on the bench and frustrated because he he's not still in there because everybody wants to be in the, in the game. And, and, and so we just kind of think, okay, well, this is the heavenly game too, right? You know, that, that, that Jesus, you know, sometimes has to sacrifice certain players in order to help other players succeed. But understand, that's not the way that Jesus works. He is always working for all of our best at the same time. We don't get that. We don't fully understand that, but he's able to do that. He loves us and he cares about us so much that he is always working for our good. More than that, he knows us perfectly. He knows what we need. He knows the things. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where to put us. He knows when to stretch us. He knows when to give us encouragement and back off. And we have a Jesus. We have a good coach who is in the game with us. He knows when to, again, encourage or correct. He knows the moment. He knows that big moment. And he doesn't get overwhelmed by it. He's always kind of above it, recognizing, okay, this is a big moment. Here's the wisdom they need at this moment in time. This is the good coach we have. He's guiding us through this time. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we, first of all, listening? Are we taking more time? Over the last few months, have you spent more time with Jesus or less? Now, I know some of your lives have gotten more chaotic in this time. You're working more, and so maybe it is a little bit less. But I hope you're still trying to find those moments in between in order to connect with Jesus. But for many of us, maybe we have a lot more time. What have you done with that time? As God is, as, is this pandemic and our response to it, and God has removed some of those distractions from a relationship with Jesus, have you spent more time with him? Have you spent more time in the word? Have you spent more time in prayer? Are you listening? If you are, I hope you continue those practices into the future. If not, then I encourage you, this is where it starts. This is how we can develop and, and be able to enjoy this life with Jesus that we have is through hearing his voice and hearing and listening. Also, are you teachable? Are you willing to be taught and to be wrong and to learn something new? 
And finally, are you, gonna re- are you reacting? Are you doing what Jesus is calling you to? Are you taking those courageous steps out the door? I heard a story this week, unbelievable, about uh, one of the people in our church connecting with a neighbor. Just felt like for weeks now that God had been kind of just pushing on her heart. you got to connect with this gal. You need to connect with this gal. You need to connect with this gal. And then she finally did it. And then, but they didn't have any church conversation. And then he's like, well, God starts saying, well, you got to talk to her about church. You got to talk to her about church. You got to talk to her. Finally, she's like, okay, this is the day. They're going for a walk. She's going to talk about church. The lady brings it up, the other gal that's the neighbor. And so it's like, you know, they took a little step, to, I mean, not even a full step. And God met her right there and said, here, let me help you the rest of the way. This is what he's asking us to do. Just a little baby step. If we take the little baby step, He's going to meet us there and we're going to enjoy this amazing experience of seeing God use us in powerful ways in the lives of somebody else. Finally, how many people do you know that need a good coach in their life? Folks, there's so much desperation in our world right now. So much fear, anger, frustration there are people that are searching for wisdom and knowledge and understanding all the info they get they can't trust and they're trying to cling to one thing or another they need someone who knows they need someone who's a good coach that can guide them through this time jesus is the good coach they need who do you know who needs jesus all right that person that just came to your mind that's the one jesus is saying all right it's time to react All right, church, God's at work. He's doing amazing and powerful and awesome things. Don't you want to be a part of that? One small, tiny step of courage in the direction that he calls us to will do amazing things, and you'll experience and see things you thought you'd never see. All right, church, let's continue to worship in song.
Father, thank you so much that you have not left us here alone. That when we step through the door into eternal life with you, that you are with us the whole way. And that you are a good shepherd. You're our good coach. You care about us. You love us deeply. You're knowledgeable. You know. You've been here. You've lived this life. You understand what we're going through. You're in it with us, constantly interceding to the Father for us on our behalf, always working with us and developing us and helping us. Thank you that we are not alone, and especially in these times, Lord, more than ever we have needed you. And, and it's reminded me again of the Israelites in the desert, 40 years where they spent those 40 years totally reliant on you for their food every day, their water, for the direction of their life every day, whether they would get up and pack up and move or not. And Lord, in a sense, we've had a couple of months where so many of our freedoms, so many of the things that we typically do have been stripped from us, and we've been forced to go, okay, what is left? Lord, you are still there. It's been an opportunity for us to trust you more, to lean into you more, to look to you and allow you to, to, to orchestrate our steps. Lord, help us continue to do that. Help us to be good listeners. Help us to be teachable and help us to respond when we hear your voice. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 and following. Fear not, 
for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And God bless and hallelujah. It is so good to be with you, church. If this is your first time or maybe you haven't been to our church building yet and you've been watching us online for the last several weeks, we encourage you, if you can, if you're near, if you're local, to show up if you'd like on that next Sunday. We'll be meeting in the amphitheater. Uh, you can go to our tacreading.info site and you can fill out a card. Let us know you're coming if you want, but you also find out directions how to get here and all of that. But the rest of us, those who have been around for a long time. I'm missing a lot of faces that I haven't seen in a long time. Looking forward to seeing many of you next Sunday. May you have a blessed day. May God be uh, just continue to encourage you. May you seek his face. Listen, be teachable, and react to Jesus as he calls. All right, church. God bless. Have a great day. Take all I have in these hands and multiply God all that I am and find my heart on the altar again set me on fire set me on fire you go to go I have in these hands and multiply God all that I am and find my heart on the altar again set me on fire
God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Oh, wait, that didn't work. Okay, wait, we gotta. That's it. That's all we wrote. Till next year. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, boy. Thank you.